Well, Xavier, it's uh, good to meet, good to be with you again, and welcome to the journey. And the journey is um, a podcast that that talks about transformation and about the story, the stories of just ordinary people and how they have transformed their lives because of either setbacks or because of challenges or adventures in their life. And so I know we've known each other for a while, and I've yeah. known the Whitford family uh, even longer uh, with your husband and your brother-in-law, Ty. Right. Um, but before we kind of jump into your story, tell me a little bit about um, what do you do for fun? What do you what do you do to relax, and um, what do you do for fun? Um, I think mostly outdoor. I'm an outdoorsy girl <laughs> by heart, so love going for walks. Um, love to kayak. That's kind of a new thing that me and my husband have been doing together. Okay, sure. Um, he's also got a motorcycle, so we love to go to mo- on motorcycle rides um, and just hanging out with family. I mean, okay. hanging out with my daughter, my granddaughter, and just being with them is is what I do for fun. Okay, and I know um, because of a friend of ours um, with uh, Studio 317 mm-hmm. that you also do some art stuff too. Yeah, and I'm kind of an artist at, you know, I want to be artist, I call myself. Sure, I'm not, yeah. it, I love it, it's a relaxing thing, it's definitely healing for me, yeah. and I've always had art in my life in some shape or form, but okay. um, it's more of just like a hobby for me. Okay, okay. I don't think anything I did I, I would do would sell, but okay, you know, okay, sure. I could be wrong. Well, and, <laughs> and I think sometimes when, when hobbies can just stay hobbies, mm-hmm. I think there's a huge benefit, um, to that as well, because then there is no pressure to right. maybe have to perfect it or bring it to that next level. It can just be, um, just an expression. Right. So, but, um, I want to kind of fast forward to, into your story a little bit. And even though we've known each other for a while, um, a couple years ago, um, you had your own tragedy in your life and that had to do with your son. And I know even before, um, before then, before 2014, um, there was a lot of struggle, um, that was going on um, with that. And not that you haven't had other aspects of, of your life, but, um, if you could tell us a little bit about, um, uh, about that piece and, and what has really come from that now and what is a big part of your life now? Yeah, well, Tommy was um, my firstborn, and so we really had a great bond together being a firstborn, and he gave me purpose in life. Um, But when he was three years old, he lost his dad in a car accident to drinking and driving, and that forever shaped, I think, his life because he was always dealing with emotional um, struggles. Even, you know, at that young age, it truly affected him. Um, the trauma of losing his dad and him never coming home one day just really affected him. But as he started to age, um, we started to notice just a lot of changes in his personality where he would have anger outbursts, he would isolate himself. And when he was about 10 years old, they finally diagnosed him with ADHD, anxiety, and depression. Okay. So he was in and out of therapy, um, on and off different types of medication, um, seeing the doctors, everything they told us to do, we did. Um, But when he got into junior high, he started to self-medicate. Okay. Um, and eventually uh, developed a substance use disorder. Okay. Okay. So with that came some, you know, <coughs> scares and some rehab stays. Um, but he just was always struggling emotionally to deal with the, the loss of his dad. Okay. Every time he went into rehab or every time he went into therapy, it always revolved around the loss of his dad and his dad not being in his life. Now, do you think that was where he ended up going all the time? Or is that where the counselors 
thought was the origin of it. No, that's where he typically oh, ended okay. up going back to from what the counselors shared with us. And okay. um, he would always, you know, he started to ask me questions as he got older, like, tell me the truth, mom, about my dad and the type of person he was. Okay. Because his dad, you know, came from a family of alcoholics and ad- addicts okay. and um, had a lot of issues himself. And okay. our marriage was less than good um however you know when he died i wasn't going to share those things with my son i wanted him to remember his dad in a good light and so as he got older he wanted to know more of the truth about his dad and about the kind of person he was and so you know i was always honest with him because i feel like honesty is the best way to go and um you know he he struggled mainly with what he would share with me is that he felt abandoned he felt like you know he lost his dad because his dad was drinking and driving and that was choice he made and he felt like his dad um you know made a bad choice and because of it he had to grow up without him and that he was angry about that okay okay and even though even though um what what was your husband's name what was it it was tomas tomas um there we go that's where thomas yeah yeah his name is my son's name is tomas too but we've always called him tommy okay so um even though tomas didn't intentionally um, have that accident, right. but it was because of his the choices with the lifestyle choices with the behavior that particular um, that particular day. It, the end result was, and so it makes sense that someone when they're struggling with all the different emotions and trying to figure out where they're at in life and mm-hmm. all those things would um, then that be that ends up being the villain right. of of the story. And unfortunately, it's also the same person he's longing to love and identify with, but he's also the villain of the story. So they can definitely see the conflict there. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that that also was not only through, really it started emerging in middle school, but then through high school. Yeah. And in high school, it, you know, just progressively got worse. He started to, he had played competitive soccer from the time he was about mm, seven years old. And then after his freshman year of high school, he just dropped out completely, didn't want to play. Um, we started to just notice real serious changes in him. And, um, so we, you know, again, we're very involved. Mm-hmm. We were taking him to the doctors. We were talking right. to him. We were not ignoring it. We were supportive and there. Um, and then he ended up um, actually graduating high school a year late. We were really proud of him. Mm-hmm. Like he worked very hard to even graduate. We yeah. weren't sure that he would even do that. But at the, around the same time, there were a lot of changes happening. He had moved out, moved in with a family friend. He found out his on again, off again girlfriend was pregnant. Okay. He was feeling the pressure of having to go to college or get right. a job. Yeah. And um, he'd never done well with change, you know, sure. anytime there was change in his life, but there were multiple changes going on. Yeah. And so he, um, one day I received a call from his girlfriend that they had gotten in a fight and this was after she had moved in with him. Um, they got in a fight, she left, and then he sent her a scary message that life wasn't worth living and he wasn't answering his phone. Okay. And so I was at work, it was around lunchtime. I decided to go and catch you know, just check on him, see how right. he was. And in my mind, I thought I was going to walk into him listening to music sure. or isolating like he always did when he was mad. But right. what I ended up walking into was my worst nightmare. He had taken his life by suicide. Okay. And <laughs> even though I know I've heard this story and you tell the story, um, it just brings up all those emotions mm-hmm. again, doesn't it? And, it does. Um, so... You were there, and um, obviously um, you, you tried to help him, and, and at that point he had already been, he'd already passed. Yes. And um, and then there's a whirlwind of things that happen at that point, and um, 
in, in everything from the funeral and all those types of mm-hmm. things. And, um, and I remember, um, you, um, actually it was your husband, Corey, who I knew from when he was a little, a little, little kid, um, because his brother was my best friend, um, growing up, came up to me at a football game at Rockford Christian. I think it was a powder puff game Mm -hmm. at, at homecoming. And that was probably the first time that we had spoken, um, after the funeral and after everything. And, um, so we talked briefly then, and then, um, uh, probably a couple months after that, um, I was doing a speaking engagement at Boylan um, for their natural helpers, and mm-hmm. it was about depression and mental illness and all that. And that was the first time that you came and joined me mm-hmm. and told Tommy's story, which really, now looking back on it, that was only a few know, months. A few months. Yeah. I mean, three months after um, Tommy had died and which now I think is just an amazing um how you had the courage to even do that let alone um you weren't as comfortable speaking in front of people as you are now (laughs) so so I I remember I remember that as well but it is really um from that time period and because of um, how Tommy died and and what he had struggled with in Mm -hmm. his life has now taken on um, a big portion of your life. And um, you do work full-time. You work for the city of Rockford full-time. And not that that's an easy job or doesn't take up a lot of energy as well. But tell us a little bit about what you now have done with the pain and the grief um, and how your world got turned upside down. Not that it wasn't turned upside with uh, Tomas, with his death, but when Tommy died, it was different for you. And so tell us a little bit about what you what you. Yeah, did. well, that day, um, I just remember the day that I found Tommy, I made a promise to him and I made a promise to God that I was not going to let his death be for nothing, okay. that, I, that something good had to come out of this. And so I just allowed myself to be open to whatever opportunities came. Um, And I also promised that if I was ever asked to do something, I wouldn't say no, just out of fear. So, um, because normally I'm a no person, I was a no person because I was always scared to do things, but I, I, I just started saying yes and started getting opportunities. Um, Never been my comfort zone speaking in front of people. But um, I've always had, you know, a heart to care for people and especially teens and young adults. That's kind of what we've always worked with um, in the church and different things that we've done. So um, it just kind of started from there. Got introduced to somebody um, that had started Group Hope, Dr. Smith. um, Talked to him about doing teen groups. And that's really when... um, I started to do the teen groups and listen to the teens mm-hmm. is when I really started to understand what my son was going through, what okay. it felt like for him that day, and um, how I had no clue about any of it. Okay. And I had um, a lot of misunderstandings about a lot of things. Okay. And so I thought to myself, well, if I'm doing that, then there's probably a lot of other people in the right. world that are feeling that way or in our community. Right. So and it's bec- and it's not like you hadn't been actively involved with family counseling, counseling, you know, with Tommy. So it, you right. had thought up to that point you were as prepared or as involved and engaged as you could be. Right. But afterwards. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I talk about a lot is, you know, Tommy was in and out of counseling from the time he was three and seeing doctors and all sorts of things on medication. And not once did any of the doctors or the therapists tell me that um, depression is the greatest risk factor for suicide. And so um, it made me realize that I was very naive and I believed what 
people told me and I did what they told me, but I never really asked a lot of questions mm. and I never really did the research myself. Okay. So once I started researching and looking at the statistics and reading the information and listening to these kids share their stories, I realized I was, um, I was naive and that that is something I never want another parent to have to feel is to look back and say, you know, I wish I would have asked these questions or right. I wish I would have done the research myself, but I just trusted the doctors and the therapists and what they told me and did what they said and expected everything to be okay. And sure. it wasn't right. 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 Okay. And, and so, th so that makes complete sense that in, in the midst of tr saying yes, because that was what the promise was, that's that's what the covenant that mm -hmm. you'd made at that time was, that it opened up some other doors, and then it it, it led to more doors opening up, or yeah. at least more doors to go through, right. and become more educated and more opportunities to get involved. A couple years ago, I think, two years ago, you went and got trained to be a trainer. Right, for mental health first aid. So I'm a mental health first aid instructor, so I can actually teach mental health to first aid to the general public and the public safety okay. officers. So that was just something that I knew that if I could commit to that time of getting trained, that I could bring it back to the community right. and be able to you know, train as many people as possible. And then about a year ago, I was introduced to Chief Jamie Evans, who's the Roscoe Chief of Police, who's also a mental health first aid instructor. Okay. And since then, we've teamed up and we've been doing them together. Sure. And it's a great connection and um, she is as passionate about it mm -hmm. and um, we, we work well together sure. and so we've just been training like crazy yesterday we were at Harlem High School yeah. training 30 of their um, social workers yeah. which was crazy to me like I'm training social workers sure. you know yeah. but the information and the um, training that we've received is just as valuable yeah. you know yeah. and they were very open to it it was just a great opportunity yeah. so we just look at it as a way to arm the community yeah. to be more educated and um, able to respond if something, you know, right. arises that in their family and their friends or in the community that they see. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I saw that on social media yesterday that you guys were speaking at Harlan. That was one of the schools that I had worked at as a school social worker. And I know for me, um, there was a lot even though I'd been trained at the, you know, obviously a master level um, therapist, but there wasn't as specific a training that you brought to them yesterday mm -hmm. it was much more specific training about mental health and, and what things to look for, what things to, um, and what you can do with that. Right. Then what you typically will get over, over a broader amount of time. And, um, so I could definitely see how, how beneficial that would be. Plus it's always good to have, um, uh, a tune-up with that and, right. and, and more information and, and it repackaged in another way. I know for me that has been one of the biggest things that I've gotten out of um, working with uh, Shatter Our Silence and, and since we started that program, which you were a big part mm -hmm. and, and it continued to be a big part of that um, program is that the more that research we do and the more times we talk about, you just become more familiar with it mm -hmm. and and some of that energy that comes up that makes you want to hesitant right. um, you're able to move through it a little bit easier yeah you know as you were talking um it, it reminded me of what we talk a lot about on the journey is the idea of that transformation mm -hmm. it follows the hero's journey joseph campbell talks about the hero's journey and we had this place of ordinary and whatever ordinary is 
And as you were getting that call to help Tommy out during, um, as he was struggling with depression and struggling with ADD and just life, mm -hmm. um, you were doing those things. And then it's with his death, it thrusts you into a whole nother paradigm. Right. Um, not that anyone ever wants to go through. Right. Um, but because of the covenant that you made, um, that you didn't want his um, death to be in vain or pointless. Mm -hmm. um, you took that energy and you faced other dragons, your own fears of, um, of maybe public speaking being right. one of them right. and, and, um, or other self-conscious types of things, insecurities that you may have had. And you now have learned things that you would have never learned before. Right. You've helped people that you would have never helped. And in the midst of that, you brought that stuff back, um, not only to the Rockford area, but I know to the state of Illinois and the surrounding areas. And you have another event coming up that you started in Tommy's name. Right. Um, and you have a, a foundation, um, yeah. the Tommy Corral Foundation, um, or Memorial and Foundation. And then you have an event coming up. So tell us a little bit about that event and, and what, uh, what you really want that event to do for people. Well, this is actually our fifth event, which is crazy to fifth think. Year, right? Fifth year. Well, it's, yes, fifth year technically. Um, we, we lost Tommy in August, 2014 and our first event was in April of 2015. Right, so, okay. um, we basically started this event. We wanted to do something to just bring more awareness and right. make it be a community event. That's, you know, family friendly. Right. And we also included dogs. So it's a okay. dog friendly okay. event because Tommy was a dog lover. Sure. He loved sure. his dogs. And so it's April 27th okay. and we start at the YMCA pavilion, which is downtown Rockford. We okay. walk along the bike path. Okay. Um, but it's not just about, there's also a 5k, there's a three, three K walk and a five K fun run. Okay. Fleet feet sponsors us. We have a lot of amazing sponsors and supporters and it's, it's a great event, but um, it's not just for the walk and the run, mm -hmm. but we have resources and vendors right. and information that's available for people, um, you know, that if they're not sure what's available in our right. community, they can find out. Right. Or if they need to talk to somebody to get help for a loved one and they're not sure where to start, there's people they can talk to there. Right. Okay. We have, um, it's very, it's meant to be an opportunity for people to come support the cause. Mm -hmm. Um to be able to honor somebody they've lost, right. um, but also just to come together and connect and have a good time. Honestly, yep. you know, we do provide some information there and um, there's giveaways and there's resources, but it's fun. I mm -hmm. mean, the kids have fun, the yep. dogs have fun. There's, you know, tons of things going on and that's, it's just meant to bring more awareness to the situation right. and be able to provide people a place to go to get information if they're not aware of what we have in our community because we are very fortunate to have a lot of great resources in yeah, our community yeah. and this is a local event it is um that is sponsored by local um uh, local resources mm -hmm. um and in it's in the resource or in the funds that are raised go back into local right yes. and i know that's a huge piece of what you it's do it's what we're very proud of is yeah. all the money does stay in our community to help people in our community and it helps cover the cost of mental health first aid for people to take the yeah. class We've um, used it to help pay for people to get counseling yeah. that don't have insurance. Yeah. Um, we use it for some of the teen group stuff that we do. Um, we do use it for billboards. We do suicide prevention billboards every year okay. where we put up um, local faces of individuals we've lost to kind of help break the stigma. Yeah. Um, there's, I'm sure there's other things that I'm sure. completely missing, yeah. but that's <laughs> what I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Okay. It, you know, and I know because I've been at the, I've, I, I think I've been at every one of the, every one of the yeah, walks that, I you, think you, that have. you have. 
And I think one of the things that um, not only do you get to meet um, a, a lot of great people and, like you said, people are able to come in and they either compete in the in the run or in the walk or mm-hmm. bring their dogs and, and walk, but there's also an opportunity that it, it gives people opportunity or permission maybe that's a better way permission to tell their story mm-hmm. to other individuals it's amazing how many people have told me their story about either how they struggled themselves um, with depression or suicide or they know someone or they've lost someone from suicide and they're able to share that story and make connections and know that they're not alone um, I know that when we've talked before either at a at a walk and we're speakers we talked about the idea of in the grieving process mm-hmm. Um, there is a time to just sit in it. There's right. a time in to just be in that place where um, uh, where you may need to be in solitude, but there's also a time to take that um, energy that comes up with grieving and um, direct it somewhere. And, right. and just movement in itself and knowing that you're not alone, that you're not the only one, even though grieving may be individualized for the person, um, and it's not the same for everybody, right? But to know that you're not alone, I think, is, I think is huge. Yeah. So, and it's definitely uh, healing. I yeah. mean, you know, for some people, they come just because it's a healing process for them, right. where they, you know, it's easier for them to come to a community walk that's very, you know, family friendly, dog friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, dogs are very therapeutic in very themselves. So. Um, to be able to come and just be around people and find some sense of healing in that community and. Right. Um, whether they share their story or not, at least they know that they're in a community of people that understand to some degree right. um, or empathize and are compassionate right. to some degree where they can feel comfortable being there. Right. Well, as we wrap up for for today, and I so appreciate everything that you've done and how you've um, jumped 100% into, um, into this world uh, that you had been a, um, a consumer of, uh, mm-hmm. of, of it before. And now you, you are a provider of not only through education, but through all the support that you do. Is there anything that you would want to just um, leave uh, the people that are listening right now, um, either if they've struggled themselves or if they have a family member that struggles, is there anything you'd want to leave them with? Well, I think it's just knowing that um, there are people that care, that there is help out there, and not to be afraid to reach out for help. You know, I was just having a conversation with somebody today who recently is, is struggling, and um, I commended them because what they did immediately was tell their inner circle and mm-hmm. then reach out to people they know could help direct them to the resources they need. Right. And a lot of times when people are struggling, the first thing they do is isolate and yeah. don't tell people. And so if there's any lesson that I've learned, it's if you're struggling, let your inner circle know and reach out to people that you know can connect you with the resources and the help that you need. Because right. You will get through it, and you're not alone, but you have to be willing to let somebody know what's going on to get the help that you need. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think there there is that step, and having the courage um, to, to try to move away from that darkness uh, takes a lot of strength and yeah. takes a lot of courage because depression lies. Right. And um, just like you had talked about um, that this, this depression, when someone's engulfed in it, it will lie, it will distort the truth, yeah. it, it will make things look... Um, not like they are and you have to fight to get through that and you need help from other people when you don't think you're strong enough to continue right so, absolutely well i appreciate it, as we always say i appreciate you being a light in other people's darkness thank so you. well thank you very much for being part of um, the journey today and we look forward to being with you again next week thank you <laughs>